Thanks for listening. This is Beyond the Illusion. In the previous episode, we spoke with Christine Calvert about holotropic breathwork. And if you haven't listened to that episode, I suggest that you go back and listen to it. It's a really great interview and has lots of information about holotropic breathwork. And if you listen to that interview, you'd know that Tiana actually went to see Christine and had a session of holotropic breathwork with Christine's group. And I had a lot more questions for Tiana about that session, but I didn't want to take up all of Christine's time asking Tiana about how it went. So we went ahead and did a separate recording where Tiana was able to go ahead and describe what happened in that session. Let's go to that conversation now. And great because she's, you know, she's very well-spoken and I felt like we had good questions for her, but there were more like follow-up questions that I wanted to have oh, good. ask you. So uh-huh. I did write down a oh, few yay. of them. Mm-hmm. So um, I guess we could just go ahead and start with those. So something you said in the interview with her was that you brought up this concept of non-ordinary states of consciousness. And I started thinking a little bit about that and what that means and, you know, how it's just a phrase that we say, but really it's kind of something profound. Like it's something that we all should put a little more weight on, I think, you know, cause we all have them. We have them every day, you know, whether it's like we find ourselves like in a daydream or something, you know, that's a non-ordinary state of consciousness. If you want to define it, like if you want to define ordinary consciousness as just our regular everyday waking life where we're walking around and focused on whatever we're doing, that would be beta brainwave. Okay. And then there's these other states that to me are really important, you know, cause a lot of good stuff happens in those states. Yeah. I just wanted to say that. I mean, I feel like there's not enough, um, importance put on those states in our culture because we're so focused on doing and achieving and all these things. So everything else kind of gets second place or even disregarded. Yeah, and that's something that we definitely want to cover in another episode where we talk about the balance of masculine and feminine energy. And that's sort of a reflection of this deep imbalance that has happened where the masculine side of our brain, the left brain, which is the analytical doing, make it happen part of our brain, which we need, it's structured and organized and we need that. But in balance with the feminine side of our brain, which is the creative feeling, receiving, being spiritual side of our brain. And so when things get out of balance, then it gets reflected in all ways because everything is energy. And so you can see that imbalance in our society and how uh, it's permeating every area and creating everything from you know violence that you see out in the world or people not being connected to their bodies or their emotions or seeing the the feminine energy is about that uh everything is connected inner relationship and so i think in other cultures where they 
have more awareness and are honoring these other states of awareness, you're going to have more balance and more flow. The feminine energy is that part that feels good and we need that. I can't yes it's good to you know the masculine is is to produce (laughs) and that's good and that's needed but if we're just doing and producing but we're not enjoying then everything becomes empty and flat yeah that's well said yeah i mean i didn't look at it from that perspective but i think that perspective makes a lot of sense and so these non-ordinary states I think the first time, well, no, that's not true. I mean, we, 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 like you said, it's part of our everyday life because we dream and we daydream. But one of like my big experiences with that would have been on a substance actually, (laughs) Hmm. um, on MDMA. And that was the first time that I felt this bliss and this ecstasy, which is what it's called. And this interconnectedness and this oneness with everything that exists and that was such an amazing feeling and that felt like truth like yes this is the way it's supposed to be and so hey i've been revealing all these things about myself (laughs) so i might as well continue on that journey um so yeah there was a point in my life when i would I was working my regular corporate job during the week. And then on the weekend, um, I worked as a waitress at this sort of underground club that had after hours and DJs would come in. And that was when I first started to explore using a psychedelic. And once I connected to that, and like I said, I felt, you know how some people think that this kind of psychedelics are giving you an illusion and giving creating a a non-reality whereas i feel like it's doing the opposite we have this illusion that we're separate and it sort of clears that away lifts the veil to this true reality that we are connected in oneness and through love and so then once i got a taste of that i wanted more of that and this was all when I was opening in my in, in my initial spiritual awakening. And so my spirit guide, Will, that we've talked about before, told me that you can access these states naturally th- through meditation. And, and that's the way to go. That's the healthy way, not to continually use, you know, these substances. And... So then once I started finally accepting and meditating and getting into it, then randomly, sometimes I would experience this ecstatic state, this blissful state, but it wasn't something that I could control. It sometimes would happen and sometimes not. And somewhere along then, that's when I came across Stan Groff. And, you know, he was the one that created this holotropic breath work and initially he, I think he maybe he still does. I'm not quite sure. I haven't followed along with him all these years. But initially, he was part of this whole psychedelic research and then also wanted to create a way to do that without any substance. And so that got me interested. I thought, yeah, that makes sense um, that we can access these states 
in a using a some sort of method or formula. So I got interested in that back when I lived in Boston and I looked it up, but for whatever reason, it never happened that I could make these holotropic breathwork workshops. And then I think I kind of just set it aside. And so, so many years later, <laughs> the opportunity oh. came up this year and, and, and I thought, oh yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, I'm really curious. And over the years in my meditation practice, I have also noticed, um, especially once my Kundalini awakened some years ago, which we'll again have to dedicate a whole other podcast about that. But just to say that the Kundalini is this primordial energy of spiritual awakening that lies dormant until either through practices or maybe through grace, it gets awakened. But then once my Kundalini got awakened, I was experiencing a lot more of this bliss um, in meditation or sometimes just even very randomly throughout my day. But what I noticed was there there is a connection between this ecstatic bliss state and breath because when that energy would flow, my body would breathe different. It was like the energy is breathing me and it sometimes it would just it would have me hold my breath or it would make my breath quicken or slow. And so I was really curious about that. Like what is that connection? And so this is part of what really made me want to do that workshop this year. Is like I've been noticing more the connection between breath and bliss and and my spiritual path is about bliss. I think why if you could choose a blissful path or a non-blissful path who wouldn't want to add bliss in there and so um yeah that's what got me to do that workshop finally okay so i i didn't know that they were doing them way back then like when you were living in boston so that was pretty long time ago probably even longer than that because sure yeah. stan groff is like 80 something yeah. so who knows how many years that's funny that you said that you um, found Stan Groff, you know, because of your interest in psychedelics. And that's how I found him, too, because he's he's lumped in. I think I said that in the last episode, too, that, mm-hmm. yeah, he, he's lumped in there with them. But, um, yeah, I think so. I wanted to ask you more about the details of what happened when you went. And apparently it was three days, right? It was like... Yeah, so here's here's how it was scheduled. There's um, Friday evening, just kind of an intro. And so I had all these ideas of what I thought it was supposed to be or going to be. And so um, then it wasn't exactly the way I thought, which is how life is. And actually, it was it was great. It's just funny that I came in with these kind of preconceived ideas. So I thought that Friday night, they're going to teach us a very special breathing technique and it's the breathing technique that puts you in the state that was really what i believed and so um so the friday night thing is just a couple of hours so i get there i get there late because <laughs> my google maps tells me somewhere totally wrong and i'm the last one to come in um but the energy there was really nice i guess i came in you know a little frazzled because i'd been in traffic and gone from the wrong place and I went in there and it just felt very womb-like. It felt very nurturing. It felt very grounded. And having gone through different spiritual trainings and workshops, sometimes you'll have the teacher or the facilitator or the leader has this certain kind of 
energy kind of, you know, oh, I'm the leader. Here's what we're going to do. And there was none of that. There was no ego in that room. It Mm. felt just like, oh, we're here to have this shared experience. And they, as the facilitators, are going to hold nurturing space. And right away, um, Christine and the other few um, shared very personal experiences that really kind of opened up the space. They were very vulnerable and then it allowed everybody else to kind of be vulnerable. Why did you come here? What would you like to get out of this workshop? And so there was this instant kind of bonding amongst the group that's really nice. And that alone, I think, is missing so much in our modern society is this community where we hold space for each other and we allow ourselves to be very vulnerable in shared safe space. So I was already like, yes, this is a good place. Yeah. So that's really nice. So you guys sat down and then you like kind of like told each other about yourselves or. Yeah. So getting to know each, you know, go around, share whatever you like or share um, why, why you came. Yeah. What you'd like to, what your intention is or anything like that. So there was that. And then there was sort of, okay, this is what we're going to do this weekend. You know, so tomorrow, um, Saturday is, is the full day. We will choose a partner and be in pairs. And one person is the breather, the experiencer. And the other person is the sitter who's holding space and also just making sure that the breather gets whatever they might need in the moment. Um, and sort of the guidelines set for that, because, um, as you can imagine, so it's, it's about the, it's about the breather when it will, will take turns, but when you're the breather, it's your experience. And if I'm the sitter, um, and you're going through something, then I shouldn't try to, to jump in and try to fix it because I'm uncomfortable in your healing process. So it's important to set that stage to understand as the sitter, like um, unless the breather asks for something, we don't jump in. We don't jump in and try to fix it and try to do anything. There's this uh, important concept. And I, I, I remember Christine brought it up in the podcast about the inner healer. It's really about trusting that each person has their own inner healer. And so um, everyone has within them everything that they need. And we're creating this safe space to allow that to emerge. And each person will be different in terms of how much of that emerges today. And one person, it might just be dipping their toes in and someone else might have a full, you know, healing, big transformative experience and all of that's okay it'll be whatever is right for that person in the moment did you ever have to like help as a sitter did you ever have to help the person through anything so on friday night telling us that and explaining the concept about um how when symptoms come up we want to try to amplify them Mm -hmm. rather than uh, to suppress any kind of whatever's emerging. And so there's set, setting the framework on Friday. And then we, I think it was Friday night. Yeah, I believe so. We chose a partner. Um, 
and then go to sleep and get some rest and come the next day, bring comfortable stuff in case you want to. So uh, lie down, so kind of, you know, cushioning and pillow and blanket and your water and everything. And the room is set up so that there's like, a you know, a mat or a place to lie down for each person. You decide who's going to be the breather first and the sitter first. And so I, um, my partner wanted to be the breather first and I was, that's fine. Um, actually it's good in a way to see, cause you don't really know what to expect. Yeah. So it's kind of nice to be the sitter first to kind of see like, Oh, okay, this is what's going down. <laughs> yeah. Cause you don't want to be the first person to like, I guess you might hold back if you, if you're not knowing what to expect, you know? Yeah, I mean, I, I would have been, if if my partner didn't want to be the breather, I would have been fine. You know, I've done enough of these kind of things that mm. I can open up to that. Then they play the music. So they have, you know, this soundtrack that sort of builds. It starts slower and then it's kind of sort of like drumming music and so forth. And I guess every time the facilitators choose their own music, so it's not going to be exactly the same. But um, kind of starting off like, you know, boom, 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 boom. And then mm-hmm. kind of building and then more powerful, more evocative music towards like some peak point in the middle and then some, you know, more emotional music coming back down. So that's kind of the soundtrack. And um, they had said that you can let the music take you somewhere and carry you you can also just totally ignore the music so the music could be a piece of your journey or not and it turns out the breathing is like that too so here i thought like okay they're going to teach us this very specific special breathing technique and that's what's going to put me there in that state Um, but really what they told us on friday was you can try to um, sort of increase the pace of your breath but some people will go slower and some people will go faster and you can let your breath decide and you follow your your own journey. So there wasn't really a specific technique. And um, so I was noticing as the sitter that people were breathing differently. And some of the people... That, that came like on Friday night, it expressed that they, oh, this is my you know fourth or fifth time or something like that. And then a, a whole bunch of us were new, but there were people that had already come before. So I think those are the people that initially right away kind of opened up pretty quickly. And so you will hear people making sounds and any sound is okay. You could be wailing, you could make toning noises you people you know if somebody were just to walk in this room and not know what was going on it looks like a madhouse right (laughs) somebody might be laughing hysterically in one corner somebody might be screaming and you know all of these different things are possible wow yeah so it's 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 really interesting um for maybe for people who are very brand new on kind of any internal work journey that maybe is kind of overwhelming and the thing is that it's everything is energy right so if one person starts crying a lot of times that could trigger somebody else to cry and even from i noticed some of the sitters like some of their stuff you can get triggered as one person is 
is wailing or crying, your own stuff could come up, you know. Um, but then you have, so you have a sitter for each breather who's kind of making sure, do they need water? Are they going to need to get up and be escorted to the restroom and come back? Um, but also then you have the facilitators and the assistants who, if one person's really got stuff going on, they might kind of show up to help someone work through that. Oh, okay. So, yeah. So if they see someone might need more attention than someone else, they'll go over there. How many of them are there? How many facilitators were there? Um, four? Yeah. Okay. There's four. Mm-hmm. So there was enough to, to take care of the whole room for sure. Oh, okay. And how many people were there? Yeah. Now I forget. Let's say maybe like. 24 or something like that. Oh, so a good amount. Yeah. That's but a... then, you know, but so if there were 24, then that meant that there were 12 people breathing. And so if there was four facilitators, you know, looking over a few people each, it was yeah. pretty. Because a lot of people, because not everybody is emoting this way and having a big experience. Some people are just very quietly within themselves experience. Somebody might like lay down and seem to be sleeping and doing nothing, but they might be having their own inner experience. Oh, okay. Are they all like equally trained like Christine? Are they all, are they all? Um, no. So Christine and another gentleman were, you know, the lead facilitators. And then the other ones, like I think Christine mentioned, there's quite a lot of training that they have to go through um, to lead one of these workshops. So the other ones are in, in that process. They've done X, Y, Z, but they still have, you know, one, two, three to do. And okay. so they're in supportive roles. Okay. So... Now this is day two, or is this yeah? Day so two? so this is okay. day two. The day two is the big day with all you know the the all breathing the and the sitting. Yeah. Okay. So so my um, breather, he just had kind of you know a mild experience, nothing crazy that I, I really didn't have to do much of anything. <laughs> I think one point he wanted some water, and that was pretty much it. That was all I had to do. So oh. I was kind of just sitting and you know holding space. And yeah. oh, go ahead. And he, it was a he. Mm-hmm. He didn't go through any like severe emotional reactions Mm-mm. or anything. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And then it was your turn to. And then we switch. Yeah. Okay. Well, so then after after oh. uh, you are the breather, then there's a space where you can create um, art based on what came up, whether you draw or paint or there's images that you can make a collage. So there's some time for that at the end of that, and then a break, and then and then we switch. Oh, okay. I didn't yeah. know that part. Yeah, oh, that's so really in, cool. In your book, the one that you loaned me, uh-huh. um, you'll see a lot of mandalas by by the really artistic people. Mine did not turn out in anything like that, but um, mine would be like stick figures, I think. I ended yeah, up. I don't. I ended up doing the um, collage. I was like, okay, I can okay. like I can cut out and paste. <laughs> <laughs> but I also didn't have a whole lot of time to make mine. So, mm. um, but yeah, I'll tell you what it ended up being after I tell you my experience. So then, when it was my turn to be the breather, so we start off, and I'm like trying to to so so my eyes are closed, and um, I had even like the the eye covering the eye shades. Um, cause I like it darker and I'm focusing on my breath and I'm, I don't know, I'm just trying to make it faster. 
And I was having a struggle with that. I was struggling with like trying to create. So normally it's not an issue of me to be able to create some kind of rhythm inwardly, but it just seemed like it wasn't matching with the music. And I was kind of struggling with that. And so then I just let it go. I just let go of trying to breathe a specific way because I'm very responsive to sound and to music. And so when I let that go, actually the energy was just moving my body, especially it was so funny because um, my my neck, I started kind of moving. The energy was just following. And Tim can see what I'm doing, but <laughs> listeners can't. But sort of like, if you can imagine my body like like a snake. My body just started to move very snake-like, and I just let it go with the energy. And it was doing that, and it started, as I let that happen, it was speeding up. And I just my whole neck and head were just circling and all of these things were happening that way and so that was interesting I wasn't sure if um, beforehand I was thinking that you know when we talk about non-ordinary states you could go into deep subconscious stuff that needs to come up to heal or you could shift into higher conscious stuff And I was like, hmm, I wonder what my experience will be like. I feel like I've worked on a lot of my deep subconscious stuff, but who knows what will emerge? Maybe I'll go into some deep, dark shadow stuff that needs to emerge. So I wasn't really attached to any specific experience. And as it turned out, as I allowed that flow, that snake-like flow and that energy, it seemed... Um, I realized that there had been some block in my throat chakra and that was working through. And as that happened, um, the energy seemed to flow up into my third eye and, and sort of open. And I think I told you this before that when I experience inwardly, it's not inner visual. I've always wanted it to be inner visual. And like most of my clients, when they regress, it's very visual and when I regress, it's not, I don't see things, but this was a very visual experience. What I saw was triangles, like they were like mirror triangles with an eye in the middle. This is like a triangle or a pyramid. There was just this triangle and it was a mirror and there was an eye blinking in the middle and then there was like a whole wall of these pyramids with these eyes it was all these eyes these eyes these pyramids these eyes um wow yeah it was really trippy it also felt really good Mm. energetically it felt kind of blissful and ecstatic and my body was moving a lot and i just kept seeing these eyes And that went on for a while. And then I already described what happened when somebody was talking. (laughs) Somebody was talking and then that kind of shut that off and I felt annoyed, right? I was like, ah, you know. Okay, so it was another breather and sitter that were like chatting with each other Mm -hmm. over off next to you or something? Yeah, it's so funny because people, other people maybe, like I said, were laughing hysterically or wailing or toning and none of that bothered me but 
it was people talking normally like chit chat that sort of felt disrespectful to the process and um and pulled me out of it and so there was that instant inner reaction of being annoyed and then my normal response would be talk myself through that let that go like that's normal it's okay other people can talk you know talk myself out of it but of course the process is no amplify that make that even bigger let yourself get even more annoyed you know and so they coached you ahead of time on to, friday to do that mm-hmm. okay that's the and so you followed that mm-hmm. you, you were doing the right thing yeah okay. thankfully i remembered that because that is so powerful because i realize and i'm, I'm gonna say especially as a woman but i'm sure as a man too but as a woman you know we we want to be nice we want to be kind and so when those kind of um seeming like negative emotions come up we're like oh you know, think of the other person. What are they going through instead of like, oh, what am I feeling right now? And how can I honor and respect that? And so I thought, well, let me try in this space. It's that's it's safe to make that bigger, whereas normally I would not do that. And so I just got really, really annoyed inside. And so, you know, probably annoyances from from years and years and years Um letting it all just snowball and get really big until I just, (laughs) you, you know. Now, as you might have already guessed, that actually wasn't Tiana screaming. I had a recording of my daughter when she was around three or four years old and I put it in there. So this is how the conversation actually went. Just snowball and get really big until I just, ah, like, <laughs> you you know, from this little tiny body, you can imagine, um, and I had my eyes covered, but I bet you it probably really shocked some people in the room, this piercing, you know, yell or cry. Yeah. Um, I just let all of that out. It was just like a volcano that burst. And then as soon as that happened, there was joy underneath that, like, big joy that just all of that was gone it just all dissolved and then there was just such a lightness of being and a joy and I think I already shared this but my sitter told me after he said yeah I was feeling annoyed also at the people talking and he said once you did that it was like you cleared that away for me too which was really cool Wow. So did the room kind of go quiet after you did that? The like... talking stopped after that. <laughs> uh, I'm glad my eyes recovered. Like I think, you know, maybe I'd be horrified at how how that affected other people. But, you know, all sorts of other. I was the only one, I have to say, in the two sessions that let out that let out this kind of, you know, sh- not a shriek, but whatever. Yeah. Yell in that way i'm sure you weren't the first one ever to no do that, oh but, absolutely not yeah. now everything under the sun you know they told us you know people have vomited or whatever like anything can come up right huh. but um yeah it was so freeing and then after i did that i started to to have that same kind of kind of bliss energy flowing through and i was seeing again some more of those eyes so it came back it was oh, needed good. to clear out <laughs> <clears throat> oh that's good that kind of reminds me of uh, 
this morning when uh, one of our cats threw up on the rug, and then I ye- I let out a yell just like that. I'm sure. <laughs> and then you felt very joyful after. <laughs> no, I was actually still really mad because I had to clean it up. But um, yeah, no, that's that is one of the parts that I wanted to hear about. And then so after that, you um, came out of it, and then you were able to go to the little uh, creative area and make your art too. Yeah, but there wasn't that much time and so I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do and um oh because a a lot of it was aside from the triangles with the eyes was sort of in in the sky or in the cosmos and so I first like created kind of this blue around the background and then I decided like oh I'm not gonna draw so I'm gonna cut out a big pyramid and then I'm going to look for pictures of eyes and I'm going to put them all on that and it took a long time to find the pictures of the eyes that I wanted and so all I ended up was was just kind of this blue and then this big empty space and one pyramid in the middle it wasn't you know up to my standard artistic standard of what I'd want (laughs) but that's what I had time for and some people created some really beautiful things but of course it's not about that yeah sort of just um I think we talked about this like how it's sort of an anchor for your experience to to take it from the inner and bring it to the outer. And so even though it's not like, oh, it looks like a, you know, third grade uh, art project that you put on the refrigerator of your child, I do have it in my bedroom on the dresser to remind myself of that. So, I mean, I won't keep it there forever, (laughs) but it is there to kind of reconnect me to that energy and to that experience. Yeah, I was going to ask about that, too. So then the third part is like the integration, right? Yeah. And so the last day, Sunday, so Saturday's a whole day. So Friday's a couple hours in the evening. Saturday's a whole day. And then Sunday is a half day. Um, yeah, and I don't. I think they don't want us to share fully like what we do, okay. but, but it, it's, it was just, it was nice. It was, um, some different things that we did just to integrate it. And it, it was fun and, and light. Oh. And a lot of people had, um, heavy experiences. And again, I think it just depends on where you are on your journey. If you've done a lot of that, or if it's the right time for you to have kind of some, deep dark stuff coming up or not but so the last day was we didn't because it was what was it it was some kind of holiday and so whereas normally it's required they said oh you don't have to come the last day but it's good to and I was glad that I did it was really kind of light and joyful and kind of weaving back in our stories like how we had started off kind of bonding as a group and then ending that way yeah, and so she said a big part of what happens is the integration, and it continues like throughout your life after this experience. And so, do you feel like there has been that? Have you reflected on it since then? And I have. I think so. I realized that maybe I need to do something. I even thought of like, oh, I can just scream in my pillow every now and then. Because in my space, in my condo, there my neighbors, I was like, I don't want to let out a blood curling scream. And I've even thought that before when <laughs> I like suddenly there's a, a big bug, and I, I will scream and I'm like, oh man, I hope that didn't disturb my neighbors. So again, that is very much how a lot of times as women, we're like thinking about everybody else, right? And so 
But I was thinking, oh, there needs to be some space where the stuff maybe that I feel like, oh, I push that down um, or I talk myself out of it for the well-being of the greater good um, needs to kind of come up and surface. Yeah, because you even said that in the last episode that like things annoy you, but you always just kind of like say to yourself like, oh, it's okay. They're going through something and you never really like let it out. It's just always kind of there. And so, um, you know, I, I imagine that was part of your like integration is. Yeah, I think we need so that energy, emotional energy needs an outlet and we don't want to stuff that if we repress or stuff that then it can harm us and I think that I had felt in the past because I journal a lot I do a lot of writing as an outlet but I think actually there needs to be a deeper physical expression maybe that was missing that I didn't realize and part of that for me now I've told you how I enjoy ecstatic dance and I think that's one way also that these emotions and energies can flow and express through my body in a a safe space. So yeah, I've been looking at ways that I can emote and express more through my physical body. Yeah, that's good. I think that's healthy. I mean, we all have aggressions that need to come out and express themselves in some way. And um, I always find that in my life, kind of like you with the ecstatic dance, that when I'm being more active, I feel a lot more balanced. And I think that's why is because, you know, there's things that you can't let out in everyday life, but you want to. And so there is a place and a time for that. And you go and do that. Like when I go play basketball or go on a run or something like that, you know, you just let it all out that way. Do you think that you'll ever go back again? I thought about it. I thought, I feel like it's, um, it's not something I need to do but it might be something that I would enjoy doing again at some point and they're having another one in September um but I don't think I don't feel called I feel called for new to keep exploring new modalities especially you know for this podcast it's helpful yeah to keep exploring new things and sharing so that each person is going to find what modalities are the right for them it's not going to be the same for every person but also at different points in our life different modality might call to us and be what's needed um so yeah i'm not feeling that i I was saying it was interesting i do think there is some commonality between that holotropic breathwork experience and the ecstatic dance experience because there is the same thing with the ecstatic dance where there is this container safe container for people to express in any which way. There are rules set as far as respecting other people's boundaries set ahead of time that really help to enforce that safe space. Um, And then, and there's music that's played. And so it is kind of, you'd mentioned something about this in the sound healing about the, the drummers and how tribal that is. I think there is something very tribal that, that we're missing in our modern culture that I see both in the holotropic breathwork and in the ecstatic dance where people are moving to um, music and they are vocalizing in ways that we normally can't or don't in our everyday society. And 
so there is something kind of primal that we connect to that's needed and then there's this community aspect to that yeah so i thought i think i already said this but a lot of the power of the experience was that the the community and the holding the space for whatever needs to express or emerge yeah it's you know sounds like something i would be really interested in doing and i think at one point i probably will go try it out with her so next month yeah (laughs) yeah um and in our interview with christine um she said that the human psyche is one of the most mysterious things uh, you know that we know of and i thought about that and i said yeah you know we probably you know how there's that saying like we know more about the surface of the moon than we do about the bottom of the ocean and then i was like well we probably know more about the bottom of the ocean than we know about our own consciousness mm-hmm. and it's such a and it is it's such an unmapped territory you know and i think that this kind of work is just really scratching the surface yeah, and I just I just wanted to comment on that because she mentioned that during her uh, interview, and I thought that she's she's right. You know that is true. We do need more of these rituals and these um, ceremonies. That y- you you just mentioned this, like we don't have any of that in in our everyday life. And I think if we did have that, you know, it would probably be a more peaceful world because we would understand each other and ourselves a lot better. And um, I think that's just something that maybe this podcast can help accelerate in some way. And that's just kind of the the goal that I had, I guess, not a goal, but one of the ideas that I had behind doing this is like to put these kind of things out there, like, hey, there's this, we could try this, you know, everybody. (laughs) Yeah, I was thinking about the X-Files, how they said the truth is out there, but uh, it's the truth is in there <laughs> instead of out there yeah. and so and and the, i think of the one of my intentions with the podcast is for people to look inwardly and not we're not here we're just another there's so many sources of information out there and we're not trying to get people to think the way that we think or believe something because we believe it but more like you said, just to expose people to all these different opportunities to get to know themselves more and to question consensus reality and to explore inwardly in yeah. whatever way or, or maybe something that we said will resonate with them and awaken, you know, again, this inner healer is that we have all the answers within, we have our own inner knowing. And so instead of going out there to look for it, it's about uh, beginning to tune into it inwardly and to trust it and to sense and feel and know what's our truth. And so hopefully things that we say or, yeah, hopefully things that we say might awaken or activate that own higher knowing within someone yeah and um maybe at the very least like spark some curiosity you know Mm -hmm. and that's sometimes enough if you're interested in learning more about holotropic breathwork and you're in the austin texas area you can visit 
holotropicatx.com slash breathwork for more information. And if you happen to be outside of the Austin, Texas area, I recommend visiting holotropic.com. And if you want to learn more about this podcast, as well as past episodes and more, please visit our website at beyondtheillusionpodcast.com. And be sure to follow us on social media as well. Take care.